in a few minutes, we're going to read about the disciples who were in their storm, and they weren't singing, never mind louder, they weren't even singing quietly in the storm, but it was a daily reading a few weeks ago from John. Now we've been reading John's Gospel, and I'm going to read a few verses from John chapter 6. The background was that uh, Jesus has just fed the 5,000, or at numbers if you could uh, women and children, about 20,000 with five loaves, two fish. And the people are getting all excited, surely this is the man, this is the Messiah, this is the one we've been looking for. We want to make him uh, king and put him on the throne. But it wasn't his time for that, so he headed for the hill country. I mean, that's what you do when you're in trouble, just head for the hills. Head for the hill countries, he slipped away into the hill country himself. But you know, there's a lesson just before I read it. These people who are shouting, he's our king, he's a Messiah, just... A relatively short time later, we're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. You know, don't get your worth or your value in what people say about you. Because people can change so often what they think about you. But you get a value and worth in who God says you are. And the value and worth that he's put on you is incredible. And he doesn't change what he thinks about you. He loves you no matter what else is going on. And no matter what you're doing, he loves you. And he doesn't stop loving you. You're valued. People might think you're not. People might have been saying you're great this week. You're the king. Some might be saying you crucify him. Let's get ready. But I want to tell you, whatever you are, God still thinks that you're great and wonderful. And he thinks you're the apple of his eye. But that's the background to the story. And Jesus went away to the hill country. And in John 6, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. No, we say a lot about the disciples, but the reality is we are much like them, and uh, we haven't changed, and human nature hasn't changed. And if you are putting a title to this, it would be the storm before the calm. No, I know that's not what we normally say, but it's the storm before the calm. And three quick brief points in this. First of all, was the lessons to learn from the disciples. First of all, the priority of his presence. That evening, Jesus in the hill country, the disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong in waiting for God to show up or Jesus to show up. However, there is a but coming along the line. But as darkness fell... And Jesus still hadn't come back. They got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. It was dark physically this time, but we could see things that in our lives it gets dark. The sun's not always shining brightly in our lives, so to speak. We get through difficult times. We get through times of struggle. And it can be dark, and it can seem dark, and it can seem heavy. It can seem difficult at times. And that's where the disciples were in this situation. Jesus still hadn't come back. It's dark. Where's Jesus? We can't see Jesus. We can't feel Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's not here 
with us. You know, sometimes we can all feel things like that in situations like that. And what do we do in these type of situations? Well, the disciples decided just to do their own thing. They decided, let's not bother waiting for Jesus to come. Let's move on without him. After all, we're fishermen. He's a carpenter. What good can Jesus do in this situation? He's a carpenter. We can go on. We can do this next bit of life without Jesus. We can go on. You know, I know that in my life, patience is one of the fruit, a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's one of them where God needs to continue to do an awful lot of work in me. And my wife is nodding in agreement. Okay. But don't ask for it because the Bible says tribulation brings patience. So if you're asking God for patience, don't be surprised when a whole lot of tribulation comes into your world. But my prayer is always, Lord, give me patience, but hurry up and give me patience, so to speak. But in a broader application here, the disciples decided, you know what? We're we tired of waiting for God to show up in our life. We're tired of waiting in Jesus coming. We can just move on without him. Let's decide and let's go on. We don't need Jesus in this next bit of my life. We're just moving on. You know, so often we can be like that. So often we can be like these disciples and make wrong decisions because we get fed up waiting on God showing up in our life. Sometimes it's with finance. I'm honoring you with my finance law, but I've got a, a real need that you don't seem to be meeting. So what? I'll just go and lump more debt onto my life, so to speak. It's a wrong decision, and they can leave the problem. Sometimes in relationships, you can be in church life. I'm tired of waiting for uh, my life partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend in church circles to come into my life. So what I'll do is I'll go and look outside the church to get somebody for my life partner. Instead of waiting for God to show up with Mr. and Mrs. Wright in our world, in our life. We look outside, we get impatient waiting for Jesus to come and do something in our life. Sometimes it's ministry. I've got a ministry, but it's not recognizing my church. So I'll just go and start my own type of ministry and do my own thing. Because I'm tired of waiting and God opening the door. It could be in a work situation. Everybody else is getting promoted and I'm just rushing ahead. I'm not. I'm going to go and do something else. Instead of waiting and God showing up at the right time. Because God's right time is always the right time. And these disciples get fed up and tired waiting in Jesus, waiting in God, showing up into their world. So they say, you know what? We're going to go and do our own thing. We're going to go ahead without them. They decided to move on without them. They were tired of waiting for that God moment for Jesus to come. And this is what happened. Soon, a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They decided not to wait in Jesus, and they sailed themselves into a storm by doing their own thing. Please hear me clear. I'm not saying we shouldn't make any decisions, but you know, in a big decision, we need to make sure God is with us. And the Bible says, your words are lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And the more you spend time praying and reading your word, you've got a sense of God in your world, and you can carry his presence by obeying his words. And you see, the disciples knew that Jesus wasn't with them, but they presumed we can do this bit of life without him. We can do this bit of life without Jesus. But we're supposed to walk not in presumption, but in faith. It's here what God is calling us to do and do that. But Jesus is incredibly gracious and wonderful. 
But just imagine you were one of these disciples. You'd go out in the boat and it was dark. And then we read, it was stormy. There was a wild sea. You'd been rowing for about three or four miles in this rough sea when suddenly they saw Jesus walking in the water toward the boat. They were terrified. They think, I would have been terrified. I mean, just getting into a boat in a rough sea terrifies me. But just imagine it's dark, you've been rowing, you're tired for three, and then all you see is Jesus come to you. You know, if that had been me, my prayer life would have risen exponentially at that point. I'd have been crying out one of these prayers, Lord, get me out of this and I'll serve you the rest of my life. No, you've prayed them before. Don't get... Don't go all religious and spiritual. We've all prayed those type of prayers. Lord, if you just get me out of this, I'll serve you. I'll do anything for the rest of your life. Jesus is gracious and merciful. When Jesus appeared, he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. If I'd been Jesus, I'd have said, it's your own fault. You went ahead and you did it. And more than that, you went ahead and did it without me. You couldn't be bothered waiting for me. You got yourselves into your mess. It's your own fault. I could have let you just sort out your mess yourself. But no, he says, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. You know, our God is not into condemning us. Maybe you've made wrong decisions and done your own thing. I want to tell you, God's not into condemning you. When we mess up, God comes and he speaks mercy, grace, power, hope, peace, life, and comfort. Jesus says, he could have, well, he thought, I know you've done this without me, but you know what? I'm here to help sort out the mess that you've put yourself into. And I love this. They'd been on a self-destruct journey, if you like, for three or four miles. I mean, this wasn't just a five-minute job they were doing it. They'd rode in a storm for three or four miles. This took them a bit of while. The longer they were going on, the more they were journeying into a storm and into something which was not good for them. But then, you know what? Suddenly, he comes. Suddenly he comes. Being a follower of Jesus, let me clarify this, is a process. It's a progress. Being a disciple is a disciplined process of life. Getting to know Jesus bit by bit. Growing like Jesus bit by bit. It is a process. When you come to faith, and for those who have recently accepted Jesus Christ, we want to help you with your next steps. It's a process of journeying a walk of faith with Jesus where we got to know him little by little. Sometimes we grow more and more like him day by day. That is a process which will never end until we get to heaven in eternity. But within those process moments, you get suddenlies when God can come and transform and change and do the miraculous. Here they're in the middle of the biggest storm or one of the biggest storms I've ever faced. They had struggled, they got themselves into it. But suddenly Jesus came and when Jesus suddenly comes, things change. Maybe you've made wrong decisions. Maybe you've made uh, decisions to go on a journey. Maybe you're in a way which is into storms and you don't know how to get out of them. I want to tell you that Jesus is here not to condemn you, but Jesus can appear in your life suddenly and cause you to receive peace in the midst of the storm and cause you to go ahead into the journey that he wants for you. 
God is a suddenly type of God. Discipleship's a process, but in there, there was suddenly, there was a day when Saul, before he became Paul, was in a road of destruction of God's people. He was persecuting believers. And the Bible says in Acts 9, that as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone round about him. It completely transformed the direction of his life. He suddenly became a follower of Jesus Christ and became someone who, instead of walking that way and away from God, was walking towards him. Suddenly, his life was transformed. Suddenly, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, something suddenly happens. You become a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. You become what we call born again, and you start a new journey. But suddenly, you've turned around and changed direction. In Acts 16, Paul and Barnabas were in prison. And then it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison doors were shaken to the foundation and they were freed. Sometimes we can be bound by things for ages and then God can suddenly come and set us free in a moment and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were there and it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly you can receive an infilling and an impartation of the Holy Spirit which can transform your life. The prophet said in Isaiah 29 about Jerusalem's enemy, suddenly your ruthless enemies will be crushed like the finest of dust. Maybe you've got enemies in your life. Maybe you've got a spiritual enemy who's attacking you right now. But I want to tell you, but the Bible says that suddenly he can be crushed because one moment and one impact from Jesus Christ can crush the enemy in your life. In Matthew 15, 28, there's a woman whose daughter was incredibly ill and tormented in Jesus, and she had faith to come to Jesus. And Jesus says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Aye, suddenly she was healed. The Old Testament, the Jews were rebuilding a temple and dedicating it, and it took years of destruction to then fix it again. But Potentially fix it, but then this is what Hezekiah and all the people rejoice over what had God prepared for the people because this came about suddenly. God brought restoration suddenly. Maybe you've had lost years in your life. Maybe you've had lost relationships in your life. I want to tell you, God can suddenly restore what was lost. He can do things suddenly, and he can bring into being things that have taken years to be messed up. God's a suddenly God. You know, there's a day coming, Paul in 1 Corinthians writes this, it will happen suddenly. Jesus will come back quicker than the blink of an eye at the sound of a last trumpet. The dead will be raised, we will all be changed, and we'll never die again. That day is getting closer all the time. Jesus is suddenly going to come back. You know, but before he suddenly comes back, He wants to do suddenly in our life to transform and change our life. The priority of his presence wasn't big enough in the disciples' lives. But the peace from his presence brought transformation. Peace in the midst of a storm. I know there are people in the storm today, but God wants to suddenly drop peace into your spirit and into your soul and into your heart today. God wants to do things suddenly today in your life. But you know, when you invite him into your life, there's progress. You know, the disciples, it says they were eager to let him in the boat. 
They weren't eager at the start to let him in the boat. They couldn't be bothered waiting for him. But then went through a process, and then they were eager to let him into the boat. And it's incredible. It says, and immediately they arrived at the destination. I.e., when you let Jesus into your boat, you can go further and do more quicker than you could ever do, ever do on your own. How eager are you to let him into your boat? They were eager to let him in after they went through a difficult situation. It's just a shame they weren't as eager to let him in when things were going okay. But let's be real, we can be like that. Jesus, I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, you're going to get religious on me, and your Bible students are going to get religious on me, and say things like, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to say, Matthew, Jesus' last words, be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a truth in that. But you know you can be in a group with people. And there's somebody there, but you don't, you're not really aware that they're there because you're distracted with other things. You're distracted with other people. And that's what I'm talking about here. Jesus is always there. But sometimes we get so distracted by people, by things, we ignore Jesus. And we do our own thing. And that's what the disciples were. We don't need you. We can do our own thing. You know, how eager are we for him to be at the centre and the driving force in our boats? See, earlier, the disciples were not eager for Jesus. His presence wasn't a priority in their life. But once they connected with him and he came and spoke his peace into their life, they realised we need your presence in our life. We need you in a way we didn't fully realise. And your presence is important to us. How important is the presence of God in your life? Not on a Sunday morning, but on a Tuesday afternoon or a Friday morning when you're on your own. Do you still crave for his presence to be with you? The band are going to come up. But the disciples, we don't need you, Jesus. We can do this. We're capable. We're tired of waiting for you to show up and all the rest of it. But then they realized how much they needed Jesus and his presence in their life. They were eager for Jesus. They were desirous for Jesus to be in their boat. If only they had an attitude like Moses. I love Moses in the Old Testament, you know that. And remember, God came and spoke to Moses once and said, you're going up into the promised land. Just catch the scenario. You're going up into the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where there's massive, the grapes are incredible. The food's great. Your enemies are defeated. It's, it's your dream. You're going to your dream land. You're going to your promised land, Moses. This is it. This is what you've been longing for. This is what the people of Israel have been longing for. You're getting there. You're going there. It's yours. You're getting it. You're going there. It's going to be an incredible place. Think where you want to go on your holidays, your ultimate dream holiday. This was better than that. This wasn't two weeks. This was for your life. This is going to be what you've dreamed for, longed for. All those years of slavery, all the stuff you've come through, you're getting there. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's what you dreamt about those dark nights when you were in trouble and those difficult days when Egypt was oppressing you. This is that. This is where you're going. It's yours, Moses. You and your people are going there. It's going to be incredible. 
And then Moses said this, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave here. If you're not going, I don't want to go. I don't care how great it is. I don't care how amazing it is. I don't care how wonderful it is. I don't know if it's the best place on earth. I don't care if it's heaven and earth. If you're not there, we don't want to go. Because it's not how good the place is. It's who's there in the place that makes it special. And then Moses, Moses makes one of what I think is the most incredible statements in Scripture. He says, How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on me and my people, your people, if you don't go with us? And he says this, For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Wow. Do you know what makes us different from your workmate, your the neighbor, the person you do social stuff with, do you know what, the only thing that makes you different from them? It's his presence in your life. Most of it's your presence that sets us apart. It's your presence we long for. It's your presence we need. Yeah, things are, can be great, but if you're not there, if it's not your presence, we're not interested. We need your presence. How eager are you to know and feel and sense his presence the disciples started off and set themselves in a journey of storms because they didn't value the presence of Jesus in their life have you done there? have you been there? But even if you have, Jesus can come and not condemn, but speak peace into your storm that you've created. But how eager are you to know and experience his presence every day? How eager are you to carry his presence wherever you go? That's what sets you apart when you go into your college, schools, or on a train, if they're on strike, or if you're in your workplace tomorrow. Do you know what makes you different? Not your intellect. Not how capable you are. Not the clothes you're wearing. It's his presence that makes you different. You know, my concern is sometimes we can get through life and because we can capable, we don't need his presence. But today I want us to be a church which values his presence, which needs his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Psalm 31 says, You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. What sets us apart? His presence. Put value in his presence, you know. Band are going to sing something. I want you to spend a few moments in his presence. And maybe you've been going through life without his presence. You maybe, yes, he's there, but he's like, he's back there. He's in your back seat of your car. And you're ignoring him. But this morning I'm believing for a fresh appreciation of his presence. And that the disciples were eager, were eager, were desperate for you to come into our boat. And we're eager to sense your presence. But you know, but maybe you just have been through some stuff and you just need a suddenly moment 
you know, we're in his presence, and in his presence this morning, he can come and suddenly do something. If you need God to suddenly do something in your life, please come out to the front. We're going to pray with you. He's here. For whatever reason, you just need God to come and just suddenly do something in your life. We want to stand with you, pray with you, and believe for the God of suddenlies to come and suddenly change your situation. That maybe you have not needed a suddenly. But this morning, just say, God, give me a fresh appreciation for your presence. And make a decision in your heart and your life, Lord, I'm never going to go on without a sense of knowing that I've got your presence and I carry your presence. doesn't matter how good it looks. If your presence not going with me, I don't want it. Because I value your presence above all the stuff that your presence brings me. All the stuff and all the blessings. It's you and your presence and knowing that you're with me, which I value above everything else. That's if you can stand. You don't need to stand, but if you can, stand in his presence. In your presence. You can find whatever you need in his presence. And if you want us to pray with you for God to come and suddenly do stuff, we believe in his here. 